Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Episode na- nine. Lucky yeah. number nine. Episode, that's not a thing. I don't. Is it? Nope. No. <laughs> well, it is now. Uh, today we talk to Josh Wiper. Joshua Wiper. I so I don't know Josh that well. Or I didn't really until you know a few days ago when we recorded this. Uh, he's one of Dave's best friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, phenomenal musician that I've seen play a bunch <laughs> around the city. And he's in a band. Uh, it's going to be coming out some debut music pretty soon. We'll probably plug that when it's launching. Definitely. Uh, called Legend. Uh, really great rock and roll band. So we talk, uh, we talk about his kind of spiritual journey. We talk about music. We talk about kind of coming out. We talk about, I don't know, a lot of fun stuff that you're going to hear in the next hour. Yeah. Everything fun. These hour um, and 40 minutes. It was, <laughs> it was Yeah, it's a long episode. Uh, episode... Eight, I guess, and nine have been uh, really, really spiritual and kind of religious topic heavy. And I don't know if that's going to go away <laughs> or if it's going to be a part of what we do, but we're kind of, we're on a journey and it's part of what we talk yeah. about. I think we're not, tr- I, I'm not trying to make it no, happen. No, it's just kind of what we like I to think talk it's about. The, I think spirituality is on the front of a lot of people's minds. I think so. I think the state of the world is crazy right now. Yeah. I mean, it's. Probably the best it's been for hundreds of years. I I would I know I think we're, now people give a lot of hate of like oh the world's an inter- I think exactly. it's in the best place it's ever I been think, well, for sure. We just know everything. No, now. We're f- we're fed the fear. Yeah, like not only is there fear mongering, but we also just like see tweets from everywhere. You're seeing what's happening in Hong Kong right now. You're seeing all of the civil unrest around the world. Yeah. Whereas before you just didn't know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, but. I don't know. What we're saying. I don't know where you're going with that, but <laughs> no. I just got excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people would say that to me more. <laughs> I get excited when you talk. I don't to tell you. stories very well. <clears throat> I, I like when you talk. But there was my out of context. I, I'm sure if we listen to that, we'd be like, "Oh, that's what that's I'm where we were going." Yeah. yeah. Oh, spirituality. It's also on the front of people's minds. Nine seventeen. We are Turkey. Coma yeah. Daniel. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, to all of Canadian listeners. Mm. Um, it's been a f- wild weekend for me. Yesterday, uh, my mom and my little sister are in town. Yeah. And my little sister is becoming one of my favorite. Like, I've loved her as my sister, obviously. Yeah. But she's like almost 17. She's like a person that I want to hang out with. That's crazy. And I fucking love her. Dude, that's happening with me and my sister online. It's yeah. really weird. Like, I'm starting to actually, like, connect with her a ton more. Isn't it weird when, like, your little sister, like, we both, our both of our siblings are significantly yeah. younger than us. Yeah, yeah. And it's when all of a sudden you're like, oh, you're a person that I would like to spend time with versus, like, someone that I just love because we're family yeah. and you're cute. You're like, oh, you're actually a really cool human being. Yeah. With like, we were just, like, shooting the shit yesterday, okay, like, singing so along he, to Lizzo. Like, it was so fun. My craziest thing is, like, I'm not there for her life. No. Me neither. So she has this whole life that I don't know about. Yeah. And she gets to tell me about it. That's so cool. What is uh, his name? Liana. Liana. That's cute. Lay. Liana. Lay. Yeah. L-E-I-A-N-A. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's a cute name. It's a cute name. Yeah. Reminds me of a flower. Why? I don't know. <laughs> She's from the Pacific Islands. So yeah. There's lots of flowers there. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Is there anything I'm else you wanted to touch on? How, what? Oh, the weekend. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel really scatterbrained right now. I think it's from all of the feasting. Mm-hmm. I did like back-to-back Thanksgiving dinners like yesterday, today. Oh, yeah, yesterday as well. Yeah, yeah, yesterday wow. was family dinner. Today was Beck's family dinner. 
Uh, okay. Oh, like yeah, I'm turkey. Yeah, yeah. Up the wazoo. Tomorrow is... Tomorrow's a sleep and work day. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have to work tomorrow. No. no. Well, I mean, my, my own work, yeah. Yeah. What is that? Right? <laughs> yeah. Gotta get caught up so people don't yell at me. Yeah. But we're getting meandery, so... Meandery? Without further... Further... <laughs> without further ado... Mr. Uh, Josh Weifer, everybody. Feel free to wear or not wear. I know you brought your own headphones. Yeah, you might as well. Have the full radio show experience. It's great. I like it. I stole these. Ooh. I, I was under the impression you punched people who steal in the face. But <laughs> <laughs> when I got fired from the church, I had these. Oh, you got fired. I didn't get fired. I got let go. Okay. So I got a severance and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was there like a reasoning behind it? Yeah, because the guy who hired me and the worship pastor, yeah. he was hiring uh, his best friend from Texas to essentially fill my position. Oh, shit. And, but he was a pastor in Texas, so he can't just get brought up and like make what I was making. No, yeah. And so he came and made three times what I was making, and I got let go. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah, so I feel um, okay with taking these. No, yeah, I think that's a good ad- addition to your them. severance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I got the headphones. I got the headphones. Headphones and two weeks of minimal pay. It's great. I got... Did you get a severance? I did. I got, like, not a ton of money, but they... For me at the time, it was a ton of money. It's probably one paycheck of what the new guy made. Was it it's tax, great. Was it tax-free? Ooh, I don't remember. I, how do you know that? Like, how do you know if something you get is tax-free? I don't know. I, I haven't paid taxes on anything in a long time. Me so. neither, and I'm really worried about <laughs> I it. I got, I got a, so in guys, we should change the topic. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a freelance life. It's a tough one. Yeah, they'll find me either way. How do you how do you essentially save aside from what you earn? I don't know what you're saying. Okay, so as a freelancer. So saving and then making money enough so you, you could pay you, for you taxes make, afterwards. But you make cash, so it's okay. Yeah, I did make cash. But as a freelancer, you make... And you got to put, and, what, and 25% you, you of it away? Yeah, exactly. At least. And then that's going to be taxed. Like sometimes 30. But right? you... I mean, no one teaches you how to do your book, so you don't save that's any of it. Thing, yeah. yeah, it's because we're artists. We don't know how to do shit. No, and I don't. Not even that. Like, if, <laughs> if you don't go to business school, you don't fucking know how to do anything. No, I know. No, I know. Yeah, I've never been. That's always been my least forteed part of my body and yeah. being is I'm so bad with anything to do with. I am waiting to get paid. I did some PA work on uh, a show like, oh, fun. a couple weeks ago. Um, Siren. Oh, okay. I hear it's a fun set. People say, I didn't talk, go to the, like out of all the shows, people talk about that show. I'm sure like a fun it's one. a fun set. I literally just went and drove around and gave people checks for location scouting. Oh, fun. Yeah. So, like, I didn't even go to the set. No. Um, it was a you know a good way to pass a couple of days. Yeah. But uh, I all I need to do to get paid from that day, and it, it's not bad money either. No. But I need to get my like bank statements printed out, and then <laughs> give them them so they know where I live, so they can you know whatever. And I just I'm, just, I'm putting it off. I'm not doing it. I, it's been like two weeks. Yeah. All I need to do is go to the bank and get them to print out a statement. Dude, not even. And then I'll get more money. Not even I'm bank broke. statements for me. Like I can't even handle like checking my emails. Ugh, like it's God too damn. much. I know. Yeah. Ant- have you, when's the last time you answered a phone call that you didn't recognize? <laughs> Fuck you, Dave. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Josh no, ignores all my text my messages for like <laughs> half a day for sure. 
Producers don't get to talk today. Fuck yeah, you. <laughs> I've been depressed, Dave. <laughs> you know what? So have I. So have I. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Have you been depressed, Josh? No. In the last like year, I've been very little, de- like least depressed in my entire life. Okay. What? Let's. I mean, I want to talk about that, but I also want to kind of circle back first. Yes, please. Let's let's talk about. So you grew up in the Lower Mainland, yeah? I did. I was like, born in Langley. Very in the church world? Was that kind of where it started? Yeah, so like zero to like 13, I was very much in the church world. Yeah. And I went to a Christian, a private Christian school from kindergarten to grade 12. We're talking PA or what's that? Pacific Academy. Yeah. Surrey's finest. Surrey's finest. Great uniform. Nice auditorium. Uh, That was probably the richest private Christian school in Surrey. Not only was I poor growing up, like I was pretty poor growing up. Like I don't even know how my parents. We didn't pay on time. I think my parents recently paid off PA, and I'm 32. <laughs> <laughs> but they were nice about it, like because yeah. we started rich and then we went poor halfway through. So, oh, there we go. So they were like, ah, you know, we'll yeah. we'll, we'll take care of it eventually. Kind of yeah. So we ended up staying, and and I'm sure it's all paid off now. But um, but I always felt so poor because a I was poor, and b all my friends were super rich. Yeah, this is what I talk about a lot. Like <laughs> yeah. a, a bit that I say all the fucking time is that like. I grew up well enough off to be the poor family in a good neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. That's where I was at. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what I was at. Yeah, yeah. Like I, you know, I never, str- we never, we didn't struggle for food or no. anything. We always had a roof over. It was always. But like everyone yeah. else is going paintballing, and you're not. Like no, that's, yeah. You yeah. go to your friend's house, and they have a pool room and a hot tub and a, you know, yeah, guest uh, coach house and yeah. all that shit. And you got enough Wonder Bread to last a week. Yeah. And I'm that's- sharing a room with my brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So when you were when you were a kid, were you more like a mom guy or a dad guy? Uh, Did you have I, one parent I, you connected with more? I split down the middle pretty easily. Oh wow! My mom is the musical side of my family. Yeah. So when I was a kid, my mom was recording an album, a country album, when I was like nine till twelve. Uh, one not, album? Maybe not. No, no, that's the lie. She probably started when I was like eight or nine. Yeah. And she recorded an album, but then she gigged a lot for the next couple of okay. years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so there was five years, say, when I was eight until 13 that were kind of like very musically influenced by my mom. Yeah. Because she would record an album or record. When she was at the recording studio, she would always at the end of the night bring, you know, the keyboard home yeah. and the, the guitar player home. And then by the time you knew it, there was five musicians in her house and we're all playing music yeah uh and i was were you like the cute kid that would like dick around on piano i would dick around on piano i'd bring my drum set out and pretend to play along yeah and um the that was the first place i sang too was in that i remember exactly what it was it was in my living room and it was a hansen song when i was like 10 oh fun yeah isn't it weird? Isn't it strange? How we all are just two strangers on this runaway train how old? How old? How old were you? Uh, so I, I this was like ninety seven was their right. big album, and so ninety seven I would have been ten. And the drummer of the band in ninety seven was like ten or eleven. He's like a few months oh, older wow. than me. So, did you ever buy Hanson merch? I had posters. I had the books, yeah. the Scholastic books, Dude, we Zach are, Attack. We are the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I had the movie, okay, Tulsa, Tokyo. Tulsa to Oklahoma. Yeah, Tulsa, Tokyo in the middle of the middle yeah. nowhere. Yeah, 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 exactly. 100%. Did you keep up with what just happened to Zach? He got in a, a motorcycle accident Bro, like last week. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've been, a, yeah. Hanson was a humongous part of my musical life. Like, because I don't know. The only Hanson song I know is like, exactly. See, everybody fakes knowing to sing that song. Yeah. And they just like, go, I did bop, just bop, 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 bop. It's not. It's no. very specific. There's specific sounds. There's um bop ba di ba dop. There's lyrics. It doesn't sound like there's lyrics, but there's um bop ba di ba dop on doo wop. Di ba dop on doo wop. Ba di ba dop on doo. Yeah yeah. Okay okay. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, it's good. I've seen a lot of Hanson shows actually. I it's like probably the band I've seen the most in in terms of live. Really? I've probably seen them like six or seven times. See, here's the thing. I didn't even know they were touring now. Like they are still making music. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Good for Hanson. And like playing venues that are like, like is it still cute shit? Or like what are they no, doing? No, no, no. Like they're they're playing very uh poppy rocky band music. Great. With a horn section and Did like, they release a worship th- like a Christian thing going on? I don't think so. I don't think so. There was a bunch of publicity on that. I don't know. Might have been like a sad I've never heard of it. I always thought they were Christians, but I wasn't positive. They have like a Christian adjacent vibe. Yeah, they yeah. do. When I was at Hillsong one of the girls there was a big Hanson fan, and she said they were Mormons. <laughs> and I was like, really? Because they took three years to do their first album to their second album. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, they, they had to do they like went on the, mission. the Mormon mission. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's like, true. but yeah. uh, You've seen Book of Mormon, right? It's like that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just watched a documentary on a Mormon mission kid. And oh, shit. It broke my heart. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is, oh fuck, we're getting into this way earlier than I wanted to. But well, we don't gonna, have to. We can, no, we can skip along. <laughs> <laughs> You're like indoctrined from such a young age that like this is what you do and this is the rules and this is what people do and everyone who's not doing this, you know. And all the um, people you're closest with. They're probably going to hell. Well, they're also doing it or they're doing this crazy right. thing. Those are the options. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's sad. It's very sad. <laughs> but in this time of my life, when I was like yeah. 10, 11, 12, uh, and doing all this music stuff, we were still, we were kind of just getting out of the, like, we, I grew up very Christian. What, like, what genre? What, uh, Pentecostal. Uh, what flavor. Okay. Speaking like in tongues, running around the room, jumping up and down. Oh, dude, that's where I came from. That's like, sometimes we're wagging, waving flags in the corner. Yeah, here's it in the, what's it called? The chiffon, no, the, the Jewish um, horn, like the. Uh, chiffon. Yeah, chiffon. Yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. seen that in real life. Oh, I've seen it. Me- we yeah. owned one. Oh, you owned oh, one. Oh, my mom had one. It was in our kitchen. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, we grew up very Christian in a, like a church, and I went to Christian school. And then when my mom started doing all this music stuff, uh, that's when my parents' relationship kind of dissolved. Cause oh, okay. She, they, they were amazing together, but they also probably weren't meant for each other if that makes any sense oh yeah my dad's like the most family guy in the world like very very family oriented he loves his kids he had friends his whole life and then he got married when he was 20 and had kids at 21 oh and then he lost his friends because he just just all he cared about was his kids yeah were you the oldest i'm the oldest yeah and uh yeah the best dad ever in so now you're you're 31 32 32 so your dad's 52 you're kind of in the same age bracket. Like you could be oh, friends with mm-hmm. your dad. No, I'm very much friends with my dad. I talk to him all the time. Um, when I w- when my dad was my age, he had three kids. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, and they were all going to PA, and he was struggling <laughs> to pay for oh, it. God. You know. And meanwhile, I'm how, how old was your dad when he had you? Uh, twenty one or two, maybe twenty two. That is wild. I think twenty one. I think I think he's fifty three. So I think it'd be twenty one. 
Yeah. yeah. And my mom was 20. And they got married at 20 and 19. Wow. So. Well, dude, like I, I mean, both my siblings were married at 20 and 21. That is five, five and six years younger than I Are am they now. both still married? Yeah. Oh. One has her fourth kid on the way. Fourth? Yeah. And your brother has a couple my kids My brother too, has right? one kid. Yeah, one yeah, kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Interesting. Yeah. It's a wild life. It's wild. Being, being out of it now and being yeah. like, oh, I'm a kid and I'm like, Closer to thirty than twenty. I still, like, I still don't feel like an adult. I no, just, that's the fucking thing. Is like you realize at some point everyone's pretending. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason you're not pretending is if you have money. That's if it. If you have money, you're not pretending anymore. No. It becomes oh, what you say means something. Yeah. But if you don't have money, no, it's all you're, bullshit. You're just as fucked as a, as a twelve year old. <laughs> everyone's two weeks away from yeah. being homeless. No. That's it. Uh, we were walking uh, me and a buddy recently, and um, and <laughs> we were talking about life and what I was up to recently. Yeah. And I remember uh, walking with him. He lives in the downtown east side, so he deal and he's also a firefighter who worked in the downtown east side for two years solid. Oh fuck. So he's Just overdose after overdose. Oh huh? yeah. He's dealt with a lot of uh, you know, crazy stuff that most people don't have to walk through. And I remember looking at him being like the only thing that's saving me from being a homeless person is the fact that I'm a musician. Yeah. And I can Pretend to, oh, this is what I'm doing. So it's cool that I don't have a real job and then I drink <laughs> and then I smoke and I party and I have fun and, I, yeah. and I'm not responsible. It's, it's, you've managed to make it your brand. Yeah, because yeah. I'm a musician. Yeah. Somehow it all works out. And I've got, you know, I've got friends and family. That's the, the real reason I'm not homeless is because I have friends and family. But, <laughs> but it's just such a funny dichotomy. It makes you wonder when you walk by and see these yeah. people. They're like, I'm not that far away. No. I'm really not. Have you seen uh, the musicians? There's some good like homeless buskers within three blocks of here. I bet, and it's it's so sad because yeah, there was yeah. a time they were a promising musician. One hundred percent, they still oh, they still could be. Yeah, art. yeah. That's the only, if I ever. I'm looking for a new place right now. <laughs> <laughs> I need to I need to move in by November. Either you're moving into Dave's place or my home. My yeah, building. I'm looking around fine. the room I'm in right now, and there's a lot of unused space. Yeah, Dave, you do not utilize this home. Oh, so for, so for the listeners, um, we were in my house for about a month, and now we're back in Dave's house because that's that's the I'm, way we go. I'm seeing an area with a nice carpet that has the perfect amount of space for a bed, and maybe a litter box because I have a cat. Oh, so. yep. Oh, you could yeah, like a one bedroom would be nice, but you could do a studio on this building. It would be. Great. I could, yeah. I would honestly, I think it'd be great. I've been living in a great situation with a good buddy for a long time, but he is going to move into a new place, and yeah. So, well, you know, everybody moving on. Circling back to what we were talking to a bit ago. So you, uh, your music start was kind of your, with, with your mom. Yeah, and all it that. was very influenced by my mom because she was doing that whole playing in bars and yeah. little festivals and recording in studios. And that started when I was, I think, nine, eight okay. or nine, maybe up until, yeah, right around that age. So from then until I was like 13, it was kind of the heavy years for her doing a lot of stuff. Musicians in and out of the house and and. You know, every now and then I'd get to go along. Oh, the first time I ever so played fun. music was at one of my mom's gigs where she brought me up on stage to play drums for um, uh, some kind of wonderful, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. So fun. Some kind of wonderful. And I'm just, because I went to the, I didn't know that song at the time, no. but the drummer was like, hey, you just play this. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I sat back there and did it. It was probably terrible. What age are we talking? That would have been like 11. Okay. And that would have uh, at the New West um, Key, they were, oh, they were yep. doing some festival or something, mm-hmm. and and it happened right down there. Um, yeah. When did you start to find kind of agency in your music? Like, when was it not just attached to your mom? 
right in the same kind of time because okay. right as it was happening with my mom i also I was also like we talked about earlier listening to hansen right and loving it and being like these guys a i was secretly attracted to most of them yeah not all of boys. them not all of them because the isaac didn't get good looking till he, <laughs> he got like 22 yeah, <laughs> do it. yeah yeah but young the zach and taylor were both very sexy to me as a young kid gay closeted christian and so okay so you say closeted at what point did you kind of find your sexuality like out of very young i don't know i've, I've had that question asked recently and i don't yeah. know because like up until i was 20 in my early 20s i would still deny it but no it was real right so but were you like hooking up with dudes at the time or was it just like uh, i think i started hooking up with dudes when i was in my like like 20 okay 20 ish yeah, so you just found yourself in like a 19, denial pa- period where you're like, oh, it's just fun and yeah. I always I'm thought actually... I always thought I'd find the perfect girl and it'd be just right because God right. wanted it to be that way, and oh. I did. I <laughs> it all kind of happened for me actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, I I was in love with Hanson, also musically based on the fact that they were making poppy rock and roll rock and roll music as yeah. a three piece, writing their own songs, playing their own instruments you know, singing the whole time. Yeah. Uh, I always got upset when people described them as a boy band because like, they don't dance. No. They don't have some guy dressing them. No. They're there. They're like their... the Jonas Brothers. Very, very similar, yeah. actually. Yeah, very, very similar. Yeah. Which I'm seeing tomorrow night. I'm really oh, excited fuck about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the Jonas Brothers now as an adult. Yeah. I, I never liked them as like a kid music stuff, no. but. Nick but now, jo- looking Nick back Jonas. on it, yeah, come on. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, Hanson got me into it, and right as I was starting, I also I'm very influenced by my parents' music because they listened to like um, the Eagles and Aerosmith. Oh, your parents were fun, Bon Jovi. Yeah, and so I grew up on like some hair metal stuff, not hair, real hair metal, but hair like rock radio and roll hair stuff. Metal, yeah. yeah, Bon Jovi and Aerosmith, and a little bit of Guns N' Roses, and um, yeah. So that's where everything came from. And then I just started playing along to it in my bedroom on the drum set. I just put my headphones on and play along. Was it part of your identity like early on? Pretty much. I mean, I was in a band when I was 10. Oh, fuck. With um, other 10-year-olds? Or are we talking about Other like 10-year-olds. Okay. We had, a, we had, a, <laughs> we had a, a, a cool teacher who did, his okay. name was Mr. Buzza. Yeah. And Mr. Buzza had these things called Buzza Bucks. Wait, is he related to like the the he's Buzzas? Probably. Like, like he's he's connected to the uh, like Fraser Square, Valley yeah, Christian yeah, community. Yeah. Like Rob and um, I saw yeah. him at a Christian event in 2016. Okay, so I think he's, he's probably I think part he's of left teaching to do like ministry or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great guy though. Like unreal. Oh, I love when I look when I look back when I look back on my like whole entire school life. Grade five was a pivotal year for me, and he was the best teacher I ever had. Oh, wow. The teacher I look back on and be like, that, that guy. If I had to pick one guy that, or woman or any teacher who influenced me the most yeah. in my whole entire 13 years at that school, it would have been him. Wow. So anyways, he did this buzz-a-buck thing where you had to earn money to buy stupid treats and days off. I love off. the alliteration with his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they and into it. I was the chair monitor, which means if somebody didn't put their chair up on their desk after school, I would ticket them and get some buzz-a-bucks because I would get the ticket money. And that wasn't going well for me. They went really well for me at the beginning of the year as the richest kid. Right. But then socially, how was But then, happen? no, it was fine. After, but not socially, it wasn't a big deal. But people just learned to put their chairs up. Right. And so I started losing. I didn't make as much money as I used to. It was a very, 
it was a very low paying job, but you got a lot of commissions, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So as soon as I started losing all the commissions, I was like, I got <laughs> to figure out something else to do. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so me and my friend Ben Chudik, we were on the same class, and we thought maybe at lunchtime we could throw concerts. Right. And charge people money in buzzer bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then we could be rich again yeah and so we so did like who we, cashed in the buzzer box like we you, all split it we no never, but like you would give them to we'd give to, to mr, mr. buzzer and, and then give you money so it wasn't real money so we'd like get like 10 buzzer bucks could buy yeah, like yeah. a grab bag of candy and oh, like okay. if you get 100 or would 200 buzzer bucks you like you get a, a period of recess where you get to do something off campus or, oh okay like you know that shit <laughs> And so it was worth it for us at the time. Of course it was. Yeah. So we did it. I would settle for that right now. <laughs> I know. Like if someone now is like, oh, if you do whatever, you can yeah. just like fuck off for two hours. I'd well, be he was trying it. to get us ready for the real world. Yeah. Uh, I could have used, you know, 10 more years of buzzer bucks after that. <laughs> in reality. But uh, it was fun. We did a couple little gigs, but yeah. we literally like the time was the Titanic uh, was huge at the time. Right. So I remember Ben in guitar lessons was learning the guitar part to near far wherever you are. I believe that you're hot. Love to go. That. So he played that to the, like to the CD playing in the background and I would just play along with my drums. Uh, and then I would play a Hanson song on the drums and he would pretend to play along. And then we would all get together for the big encore, which is Louie Louie. Okay. It's three chords. Yeah. And Danny or whatever it is. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was the first gigging. And then I played with him all my high school years. Oh, wow. We played a lot of Christian stuff together because we were doing Christian music, which I owe a lot of my music to because, you know, they gave me a platform and a microphone. That's the thing. I feel I, like yeah. uh, a lot of great musicians grew up in church because yeah. you just have an opportunity to be on stage. Yeah, it was yeah. big. It was big. Um I am dealing with that right now yep. because a lot of my, a lot of the thing that kept me in my faith for so long was the fact that I'd had these experiences on stage mm-hmm. leading, whether it's a hundred, whether it's my, the biggest one I did was probably six or 7,000, whether it's anywhere in between that you have all these people there singing songs that you're singing. Yep. Sometimes you wrote the song and they're yelling it back at you yep. and you're standing on stage just hearing it all and being you know, the feels are real, whether it's you. And in that moment, you're not taking that as your praise. You're thinking no. this is, this well, is you God's. kind of are. You yeah. kind of are. Here's, you don't take it in the moment after you leave the set or whatever, after yeah. I would get off stage and walk out into the congregation, I would almost expect people to be like, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Good job. That was, yeah. that was a great set. And oh I, man. I, great Dave can attest today. to this. I need that validation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like when I, when I left the church, all of a sudden there's this vacuum in me of just like, I need 20 people every day to tell me I'm doing a good job. I know. Like, there's just so much affirmation. Yeah, a lot of affirmation. And it was also, even though you know it's all for God, you get those feelings that yeah. are like the music perfection feelings. And now that I've been away from the church for a few years yeah. and had some very cool musical experiences outside of the church. I had cool mus- musical experiences outside of the church before, but... Since the church, I've had it with a new mindset, kind of. And I've had a lot of the same feelings of joy and fulfillment and God yeah. that I felt in those church moments when a thousand people are singing a song that you wrote to God back in your direction. You yeah. know what I mean? 
And now I get the same vibe when I'm at a bar down in Gastown where yeah. 200 people are yelling, I want to know, have you ever seen the... Everybody's singing. And the room is quiet and I'm standing on my drum set with my shirt off and I get the same vibe that I did yeah. when I was standing in front of 4,000 Christians. I think I said this to you that night, but the night that you and like the rest, of, like some of the legend guys played at um, Guilt, Guilt & Co. Co. like a month ago. <laughs> yeah. When you guys did Purple Rain, that was the closest to like a musical <laughs> spiritual experience that yeah. I felt yeah. since... That was it was insane. Yeah. And I, I haven't felt that since I left church. And then I was, it was a reminder. Bradley, to me. Bradley was singing that night. He was, did a great yeah. job. That was Ben Parker and his career. Yeah. Great guys. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's the thing. I've had so many of those experiences where the music outweigh. And, and when I look back on my Christian life, I think, did, was it, was it God? Yep. Or was it the musical experience? And I don't, still don't really have the answer. I've made my decision in terms of what my faith is. Yeah. And I've, just to put it out there, I've lost my Christian faith. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know who you're talking to, but yeah, this is what we do. Let's get into it. I'd love to. <laughs> um, yeah. But, and, and I'm not saying it's not God, because God could very well still exist and be like a part the, of my life. That, what my current shtick is, is terminology is so limiting. Like, it's just whether you call makes, it God, the universe, the mystery. It makes us look so stupid. It does. Because we don't know shit. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> like, we know, yeah, we've, we've studied shit on this world. Yeah. But how do you, ex- like, to know the cosmos and the, yeah. and the creator and the God that ex- made all of this stuff. Yeah. We have these books that were written by men thousands of years ago, yep. and those are things that we've taken into account as, up to this point. And we could talk about that later as well. But oh, we'll get there's, into it, yeah. there's a lot of disproving things that happen in all of those books. Yep. Um, we're in an interesting place where there's three people in this room that studied theology that also don't no longer believe that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. And I we were talking about this earlier today. Is, yeah. Is, is, did you ever fully believe it? Because I feel like I, I did for moments. I really did. For, there was I had, minutes. I had, I had, I believed it, but I, there was aspects of it I always disbelieved. Yeah. So I, when I was working at the church, I don't have to say names, but I was working at a big church. <laughs> Just I'm Dave. I was working Dave, at we don't a, have to say names. <laughs> I was, I was working Dave's at nicer a, than us. I was working at the largest church in Western Canada uh, a couple years ago. And it was great, and it was honestly up until I was let go, it was a really good experience. Yeah, uh, and getting let go was the best thing that ever happened to me because I would probably still be there, suffering if not yeah. for it, because I thought it was where God wanted me. Yeah. Um, but even when I was there, there was a lot of stuff that I believe I didn't I didn't believe about the faith that I was told to believe, and we had to believe it to be on staff. So I just put it on a shelf and it was the whole like heaven and hell thing. It yep. was the gay thing. It was the women in leadership thing. That's it a was, big one. It was, yeah. It um, was. So there are, for listeners that, you know, didn't grow up in church, there's a lot of, a lot of different flavors of Christianity, yeah, but lots. kind of, um, there's a, there's a sect of folks that, you know, believe literal more than non-literal and don't necessarily think women should be uh, in any kind of platform leadership. Teaching roles. Yeah. They shouldn't teach men is what no. one Bible verse, I don't know where it is, but that's what it says. Yeah. Is yeah. that a firm foundation of their belief? That's a firm foundation of the uh, uh, Baptist yeah. church. And it's and not necessarily so- like a pillar of Calvinism, but... Um, Again, without getting into too much biblical like <laughs> Christian history, uh, Calvinism would be, you know, 
a certain sect of Christianity. Um, it's not like a tenant of that belief system, but uh, it would definitely. But be it's something they take seriously. It's it's yeah. the same thing. So, I I worked at a church uh, on I, on and off since I was in my like early teens. I was the worship leader at churches since I was fourteen. Uh, sometimes paid positions, sometimes volunteering, yeah, but same. it was a humongous part of my life in terms of several times a week or every day of the week in terms of if I was working there um, since for like 15 years wow. pretty much of my life. Um, I was leading the largest church in Western Canada's worship for a while Yeah, as a gay guy who was married to a woman. And they knew it because I was open about it. Oh, wow. So if... So they were fine with the gay guy leading the worship. As long as he was. As long as I'm not living in sin and actually being happy about it. Yeah. Not even sleeping with men, but like if I had a, a guy I was in love with who, you know, we had a loving, great relationship, that yeah. would still be terrible. Um, but because they knew I was suffering. They were okay with they it. They were okay with it. Fuck. Whereas now that I'm openly out and gay, if I went back to that church, they wouldn't let me greet at the front door yeah same person same situation but because i'm living in sin and it's just such a double standard because you see all of the staff and cast and people that are there living in sin in their own ways like according to what the bible says for yeah for not that that's standard of sin not that that is the be all end all of sin by i uh i wouldn't hold to that really at all anymore i i you know what yeah yeah. Not at all. I, I've been gone from the faith for probably about a year. I've been gay for less, gay my whole life, but I've been living, <laughs> I've been living openly and happily uh, open and gay for eight months or so. Yeah. And I've never felt more free in my goddamn life. I love this. And uh, a lot of my life was told that I was only going to find freedom in Christ. Yeah. And I felt so repressed and, uh, and, and just... When I was at the church I was working at, um, before I was even working there, yeah, uh, I was very open about my situation because I've never been quiet about it. Okay, because it, if you're quiet, it's not normal anymore. Right. If you talk about it, it becomes something that you deal with and it's normal. So, it, and it was normal in my life, so I wanted to make it normal for other people. Yeah. Um, which was great because that led to so many new relationships. Of I would just be open about myself, and then somebody would come up to me like, "Oh, yeah." I deal I with this too. Can, yeah. we, can we chat about it? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but while I was at the church, I was very open about it, told everybody, uh, and it was fine. But I went to counseling also at the church. Was that mandated? It wasn't mandated, but it was like, hey, we've got this if you want to go. Right. And so I'm like, you know what? It would be great to talk to somebody. I don't have an yeah. outlet for this in my life. So I went, uh, and it was great. A really, you know, a good, um, he's a, a clinical clinic, a, I don't know the word. He's a psychologist. Yeah. Clinical psych- he's, he's good he, at what he does. He's got his papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to school for it. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get. Uh, but he's also a, you know, church Christian working at a church. Yeah. Um, and so it was good because I had this outlet to always talk to him and be like, I... You know, I feel this. I want to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Was his kind of opinion slanted? No, it was very understanding. But it was like, well, this is your cross to bear kind of thing. Yeah. Like you're just gonna have to deal with this in your life. You're gonna have to feel shitty about this thing. That's all of you. But you know, yeah, life is shorter than eternity, and 
let's get through it. Like everybody's got something to deal with. And I thought that for a long time. Right. Um, but yeah, since I've lost my faith, it's been a night and day situation in terms of happiness and living life to the fullest. And like, I see it in my relationships now too. Like the friends I have outside of the church are closer than any friend I had in the church. That is a thing eh, for sure. You know, what's funny is a guy when I, I didn't come out publicly. I just did it myself, but rumor, whatever folks know now. Yeah. Heard it through the grapevine kind of situation. And, um, a guy that used to be on the worship team with me at this church emailed me a very big, the title of the email was broken (laughs) in in quotations. (laughs) And he was broken that I had made this decision because, you know, it affects him for some reason. Oh my God. Um, But he, again, he said like, yeah, it's life is short. Eternity is forever. And I think you should really come back to church and feel some love and camaraderie and, and, uh, What's the word everybody says with church? Um, community. Community. There we go. Community with your with church. And yeah. I emailed him back, and I was like, "Listen, I've been out of the church for a couple of years now. I've been out of God for out of out of the Christian God. Yeah. I, I still am very open to God, but um, I've been out of the Christian faith for a while now. Yeah. And the community and friends and church I've felt with the people I've been 100 percent open and honest with." is bigger and better than anything I've ever felt with my, my Christian yeah. community. Yeah. Like, and, and I'm not even saying because, oh, now we're just allowed to sin. <laughs> like, now we just don't judge each other for, like, smoking weed. And that's yeah. a part of it, obviously. That's a good percent, yeah. But it's not, it's not, that's not it. Like, I, no. I am myself, they are themselves. Yeah. And um, it's just been... That's the thing, right? Is there's a part of you in any kind of, any kind of situation or com- quote-unquote community where you feel like you have to be a representation of yourself, no matter how yeah. deep you feel like you're getting, yeah, there's still part of you that's kind of shielded by like, oh, this part of me will not be okay to be kind of public. I had that. I had that my entire Christian life. Yeah, me too. I always had to hide a who I was sexually, b what I like to do for fun. Yeah, and c who I actually thought was somebody I want to hang out with because yeah. I, I always thought I had to you know, put on this thing for this person and I'm, this guy's in leadership and I should probably go hang out with him. Yeah. Just yeah. climbing the corporate ladder of uh, church. Church leadership. Do you think that that pressure to think that way is something that's self-inflicted or is it uh, like imposed on you? I don't know if it was self-inflicted. I'm not sure, I'm not sure where I stand in that. But it's right also now. something that the church, for good or bad, like completely projects onto its congregation. That's the thing is I think it, I think it falls similar to when people talk about like, again, I don't want to equate these two things cause they're very different, but systemically like racism in America, there's not a specific, like I, I'm not, again, I'm not equating these things in seriousness, yeah, yeah, of course not, of course but, um, sure. There's not one guy who's like, you know, racism's good. Fuck. Yeah, me too, Dave. <laughs> We need another round. We get another beer. Uh, fuck uh, people of color. Like, there's not a guy, yeah. but it's a system within the community. Yeah. And I feel like the same thing kind of applies within the church. There's a, there's a system inside of how we've set up the community of church. It very much is. It's, uh, I mean, I see the good. I see the good stuff. Like, I've seen... Uh, That's the hard thing to disregard. It's the hard thing to disregard That's, because... Yeah. Like, you're changing 
And a lot of a lot of my life change recently has also been getting less content with normality and being like, maybe I don't want to just be married and have an apartment and a house and a dog and a kid. Yep. If I was just going to be married and have a house and a dog and a kid and be happy with that, I would probably want a bigger thing to be yeah. focused on in terms of forever. And I think it just in my life change recently, I'm not living for forever anymore. No. <laughs> I'm living for the moment and my life currently. And so in that state of mind, I, I can't put my faith in something that I think I have to suffer for now to have a better life later. Yep. And so if I'm going to suffer now, I need faith. And so I don't, it has a spot. And I'm not saying people need to suffer to have faith. I'm, there are a lot of happy, successful people have faith in it. And it, in Scientology. Yeah, well, them too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's a can of worms. Yeah. I, I kind of want to circle back for a sec. Um, you So you got married pretty young. Uh, I was 27. Oh, okay. Just turned 27. So at no, this, no, no, no. 26, about to turn 27. Yeah, okay, 26, so yeah. exactly my age right now. Yeah. Um, the... Again, I don't. I don't want to make this a half an hour talk about your sexuality, but I am as like I growing get, up the same way you I, did. I, I I'm really into intrigued in this. Is like, <laughs> so you grew up like from a quite a young age. You seem to kind of know where your preferences were at. I knew, um, I knew, but I never accepted it. So it okay. was always like, uh, like if I'm jacking off, it's to dudes. Yeah. But in my head, I'm still like, no, I'm gonna get a wife and I'm right. straight and everything's fine. Like it was sexuality and my my actual sexuality were never connected interesting for me until i started probably having sex when i was like 20 yeah yeah so you're so you get married at 27 what's your what was your kind of relationship again we don't need to get into too much if you're not comfortable with it it's all good yeah, yeah. what was your relationship with your wife like unreal like um the reason i got married to her in the first place was because we fell madly in love Okay. And it was totally real and, and absolutely in no way, um, you know, put on by me trying to be straight. Right. It was the, the me trying to be straight part of my Christian life. And then I met her and I fell in love with her. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I guess this is my answer. Like, I'm, this is going to be good. Like everything I've thought my whole life of me being gay, but like, I'll meet the right girl yeah. is kind of working out. Like, holy shit. Like, not only are, am I completely in love with her, like, sexually it was good, too. Like, it, it was, the only, she's the only person I've ever enjoyed <laughs> sexually in terms of a female. Yeah. Um, and so it was unreal. And I ended up, I fought for her, too. Like, I stole her from her boyfriend. Right. Who she'd been with for four years. Holy shit. Uh, he was in a band and he was a singer of a band and I was in a band at the time and I was, we were older than they were. So they kind of, uh, look it up is, is the wrong word, but they, yeah. we'd come over and hang out with them sometimes. And, um, so this is the left, well, this is when I was with the left. Ye- no. Pompadours. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. Just after the left. Yeah. Um, the Pompadours is kind of when I first knew the idea of you as a person. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I was in a band called The Left for a while, and then we, out of The Left, we be, became The Pompadours, three of the guys that used to be in The Left. And so we were doing some gigs with this this band, yeah. um, who Larissa's... Was dating at the time. Was dating yeah. this, this singer from. And uh, I was actually good friends with him, too. Okay. Um, yeah. 
which looking back on it sucks. He was, like, <laughs> he was such a great guy, like a oh, really, fuck. really good guy. Yeah. Um, and we were getting close as friends, but I was also really into his girlfriend. Fair. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, like I'm gay and I'm also really into this girl. I should probably pursue it. Yeah. So I told her, I was like, listen, you're f- dating a friend of mine. Uh, and I told her right off the top, like what my sexual orientation was. Like, I don't think she ever really was surprised. I think it was our first like dinner date together. When I, yeah. when I told her like, Oh wow. You're straight up. Very straight up. Cause I, I, I knew that like, it's going to come up. It's yeah. going to be a thing. If we're going to be in a real relationship, it's going to come up. And so I told her about it. It was good. And then we like chatted for the next six months, eight months. And she finally broke up with her boyfriend. And then we got together right away. Uh, dated for like nine months. Got engaged. I proposed wow. to her in Brazil in front of her whole family. I went oh, down. No. So she's Brazilian. Yeah. And she moved up here when she was seven with okay. her parents. But her whole entire family still lives in Brazil. Um, so she goes down every year or two for Christmas and shit. Yeah. So this was me like coming down to meet the family. And then she went down a week before I did. <laughs> and then I was at the keg with some friends and they're like, so you're going down to like have Christmas with her family in, in Brazil. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, well, you're going to propose. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I no. haven't really thought about it. Like maybe I, sh- maybe I should like, Yeah. And they're like, well, you want to marry her, right? I'm like, yeah, I do. I totally want to marry her. Yeah. And they're like, well, how? what better place to do it? So the next day I went out and bought a ring. Wow. Yeah. So this all happened within a like The decision was in the week she was gone. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Shit, okay. Uh, and I stand by the decision. Like, yeah. I, It wasn't like a, a rash decision. and It was just a fact. Like, it, they brought it up. They're like, you should probably do it. I'm like, yeah, I should do it. And then, yeah, I went and proposed in front of her whole family. It was great. Wow. And we had a, a really beautiful, amazing relationship. It was awesome. And to this day, she's going to be, to this day and for the rest of my life, she's going to be somebody that I love yeah. more than anybody. Like, we were talking about this earlier off air. Um, you know, we're both dating other people now. Yeah. And even though, I, you know, it's fair she's dating somebody else because I'm dating somebody else too. <laughs> yeah. But even though that's happening, and I know she's happy with him, and I know they're having good sex and they're having a good relationship and yeah. it's probably better than anything we had together in terms of that part of it. Even then I'm, I'm up, you know, I don't want to yeah. see him. That's the thing, right? You're <laughs> still kind of tied to she the still, people that you She still ones. has yeah. such a heavy spot in my heart and I'm always going to be in love with her. Yeah. But, um, after, you know, four years of marriage, we just kind of, we started talking about our future mm-hmm. and where we were going. And that was a real conversation because I didn't know. And, mm-hmm. And she wanted to, do we want to get a new house? Do we want to think about kids? Do we want, like, what's next here? And I felt like I was kind of handcuffing her by not letting her know that I might not be in it forever. Yeah. Only because I wanted, you know, everything I've wanted my entire life in terms of the sexuality side of things. Yeah. I think it's to be yourself as well. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I was myself with her, but it was also a version of myself I wanted exactly. to portray. Yeah. And so it was a little different. Whereas, you know, now, even though we're going to be best friends, and now we'll be able to talk about dick instead of <laughs> <laughs> just mine. <laughs> how, how was the process of the actual breakup? Yeah. Um, 
there was a couple weeks, if not a couple months, that were terrible. Um, I was also traveling a lot during the time, like right after we we kind of made the decision to to separate right before Christmas, like a year ago. We're talking, yeah, like twenty eighteen, twenty eighteen Christmas. Um, and uh, but we decided, like, hey, let, okay, let's not think about it. Let's get through Christmas. Yeah. In January, we'll discuss it. And in my head, I'm like, okay, when we discuss it, it's probably going to be it. And I think she knew it too, but it was also maybe up in the air. I'm not sure. And so we did a few things in the new year. And I think it was February when we actually finally talked about it. And I remember the day because we'd gone down to LA and had a fun trip down there. I was doing a, a, a gig thing and... Uh, with the new band. Um, and she was down there doing some auditions. She's an actress. And then we came back and we kind of gave ourselves to the end of the weekend. We're like, all right, we got, say we got back from LA on a Saturday. Yeah. On Sunday night, <laughs> we were going to talk about what we need to talk about. Fuck. So Saturday rolls around. Sunday, we end up going out and like having a fun day in Vancouver, eating sushi and just being us and having a great time. Yeah. Laughing and hugging and kissing and everything's good. And, and I think we just, we're trying to put it off. We were both trying to put it off. Yeah. Cause we knew this is probably the last moment we could just be happy in our relationship. And then, uh, we talked about it and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life because I, I, I knew this was the right decision for both of us. I knew that for myself, I, it, it would be good. Not cause I didn't love her, but because I'm gay. Yeah. So what the fuck am I doing here? And for her, because I'm gay. Yeah. I, I for so long have wanted her to find satisfaction and the love and desire and, and somebody chasing her the exact way she deserves to be. Cause she's gorgeous. Yeah. It's and like it's selfish and selfless at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I stayed a little longer than, I didn't say longer than I wanted to by any means. I'm just saying I I stayed as long as I did because I felt like I was letting her down. I didn't want to hurt her. Mm. And I left when I did because I felt like if I was keeping her any longer, I'd be hurting her and letting her down because I, I knew that she she's about to embark on the best years of her life. Yeah. And I don't want, you know, when she, she's in her mid twenties now still, and she, I don't want her to be in her thirties and be like now getting a divorce and having yeah. to figure out, Oh, am I going to have kids at 37 with some new guy? Like, so it just took that in, in our talk and it was real and it was hard and we cried for like two weeks and then we lived together for two months, which was difficult in the same bed with each other. Um, Fuck. probably way more hard for her. Like yeah. she, uh, she's a fucking champion. She's, she's really, really tough and amazing. Like I, I have so much love in my heart for her, for everything that we went through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I moved out. (laughs) Dude, what's happened in your life since what was that? March? I guess so. Yeah. I guess March would have been the start of it. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, like, what are the marks from, so where you are now is your... You weren't living in the city at the time. No. I was living just out of the city, uh, New West, which is like a 25, 30 minute train ride into Vancouver. Yeah. Um, So getting from kind of, you just kind of left the church at that time. Yep. Just ending that relationship to now 
you're gigging all the time. You're playing with a band that seems to be on the cusp of blowing the fuck up. I hope so. Uh, what is that kind of like nine months? It was crazy. It was a, I, I was playing a lot, gigging a lot since I left the church or got expelled <laughs> from the church. Yeah. I've been, I, I took up gigging more than I ever have and I'm, you know, play several times a week. Yeah. And that's been great. And that even, ha- that was in my marriage still, but it's picked up tenfold since I've yeah. moved into the city and just kind of made it a priority. Um, it was difficult because when I left my relationship, I, I didn't have anything. <laughs> I had no money. I had nowhere to live. I had no job. Uh, I literally thought I was going to go move in with like my parents and like yeah. live on my dad's couch for a couple months. Like that's where I thought I would end up. And that was another reason it was hard to leave because we had such a comfortable life together. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I made the call and did it, like literally the next week we got a call that the band was going to be doing something in LA and we're going to record an album and everything just started kind of moving forward and happening. And shortly after that, I moved in with uh, KJ, which is a guy in the band. Um, Archie from yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, like, I don't. Want, that's not the most interesting thing about you. But no, yeah. there is something it's to there. say about it's the fact there. that your band is made up of like. I more so want to meet. You know how? How did you end up in the positions? How did this band start? Let me get to my goddamn <laughs> sentence before you cut me <laughs> off, motherfucker. Fuck off, Dave. Let me finish a sentence. <laughs> I love it. That's where I'm going. It's kind of where did that where did that connection come from? Like, um, people don't know Josh. All right, I'm it was fucking very, filling in the gaps. It was very organic. So I'm in a band now. Uh, we're called Legend. Yeah, we've been a band for pretty much the same amount of time as I've been divorced. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much like right around the same time we were separating is kind of when the band stuff started happening and taking yeah. off. Uh, and I, like I said, I was gigging a lot in, in town and, um, I met a few friends just yeah. through gigging people coming into the bar because they liked the music and they talked to me afterwards and it's good. And, and, um, a few of those relationships progress and some of them don't, but one of the ones that did progress was a guy named Alex Carruthers who, yeah. um, amazing, talented, sexy individual who, uh, works uh, at a, worked, he doesn't work anymore. He's actually, uh. Uh, gonna be a motorcycle mechanic right now. Oh, good for Alex. We're gonna be a band before he becomes a motorcycle mechanic. <laughs> yeah, you are. But um, anyways, he used to work at a bar in town that is kind of the the gigging bar to be at in Vancouver, Guild and Co. And he grew up in Windsor, Ontario, uh, with this guy named Rob Rocco. Oh. Who and Rob Rocco uh, was on Riverdale. Yeah. Uh, he played some gay mafia leader on Riverdale. <laughs> I'm not even making that no, up. No, you're not. I, I know Rob. I mean, he probably doesn't know me. We've met like three times. But uh, a good friend of mine was his ex-girlfriend. So oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Who is that? Uh, Anna. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah, Anna's the best. Amazing. Yeah. And so, uh, so Rob and Alex knew each other from back in the day. Rob moved to Vancouver to start Riverdale and ran into Alex on the street. Alex had just moved here from Cal... He drove his bike from Windsor, Ontario all the way to Vancouver spent two years in Calgary because the bike was broken and then got the bike fixed <laughs> and then came to Vancouver came to Vancouver met Rob and then Rob introduced Alex to KJ because they were on the show together um Riverdale of course yeah 
And then, uh, yeah, last year, uh, Rob was, Rob had been killed off the show and he was going to come back to town just for a weekend to hang out with Alex. And Alex had been jamming with KJ. We have a jam space in Olympic village and, uh, they just been jamming cause KJ yeah. is a great musician and, um, and they met through Rob and then they kind of got the idea of maybe, Hey, maybe we'll do a gig at guilt and co and just like play some cover songs. Yeah. So the three of them were going to do it with KJ, Alex and Rob. And then I think they uh, thought about it a little more closely. Like, oh, we, we should probably get a singer or somebody who can, somebody who can hold it together. Fair. <laughs> and uh, so Alex called me and said, hey, man, like, you, you want to come jam? And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. And uh, yeah, I went and did the first jam sesh with them and we did a bunch of tunes. And since then, it's just kind of been this, this crazy ride we've been on. Um, yeah, a lot of experiences that I never thought I'd, I'd have. Yeah. Um, but also the perfect timing for it. Cause I'm, you know, I'm good and jaded, <laughs> but it, it really is. Yeah. Like I, I, it's, I've never grown so close to, to three assholes as close as, <laughs> as, as, as fast as I've, I've grown with these guys. Like, um, uh, it's become a very brotherly family kind of relationship. You know, when I was had to, when I had to move out from my place, because yeah. uh, I was getting separated, you know, KJ offered his house to me and said, "Hey, come stay with me as long as you want, like no problem." It's amazing. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just been a really really good good uh, organic relationship. And we recorded an album um, recently in Seattle, and uh, there's been a lot of legal stuff that we got to figure out at the moment, but it's yeah. it's coming to an end. What part of that can you talk about? Because that's um, intriguing. It's. We went down there. So we met this awesome guy named Tim Bierman who works with Pearl Jam. He's worked with Pearl Jam for the last 20 years. Wow. And um, he uh, got in touch with us because his daughter saw on our Instagram that we had played a gig. This is the first gig I'm... I, at guilt, yeah. At guilt. Like, it, well, not even our songs, just no. <laughs> some random song. But, it, you know, it's because KJ's in the of band. Of course. And so uh, the daughter showed her dad this video of us playing. And her dad kind of said, oh, this is kind of cool. Maybe we should, like, they're, they, they're based in Seattle. We're based in Vancouver, so it's a, it's a, sh- it's a yeah. short drive. And so he reached out to us and said, hey, like, we're going to come up to Vancouver and have a vacation weekend. Uh, yeah. Maybe we can meet you and, like, chat about whatever and take you out for dinner kind of thing. Looking back, I think he probably just wanted to introduce his daughter to KJ. <laughs> but but then he came and he heard what we were doing musically because we were we were in the process of recording our first couple songs at yeah. that time. And um so he came and he brought his family, his wife Risa and his daughter Violet and they um they heard some of the tunes and they got excited about them and they went back home to Seattle and uh they talked to a good friend of theirs Eric Lillevoix who's this amazing producer. He owns uh, London Bridge Studios in, in Seattle. Very, okay. very prestigious, amazing. Like, a lot of history has happened in that studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pearl Jam recorded, you know, their biggest album there. A lot of Seattle bands had their their moments in that place. And um, they've always been kind of wanting to manage a, a, a band together. And right. so they reached out to us and said, why don't you come down and record an album? So we went and did it. It was amazing. We recorded a whole album and a week and a half who does a lot of the songwriting for you guys is that uh it's a very um it's a very group group effort kind of thing um you know i i probably end up writing more lyrics than not right but 
it's very evenly spread all around. Like Alex will come to the group and have this cool bass line. And then after that, we'll write a song and we'll have to, Oh, we got to get lyrics and then I'll throw some lyrics in. Yeah. Um, but a lot of time he'll come with a, you know, a tune. KJ writes a lot of the, uh, a lot of the melodic guitar stuff. A lot okay, of So the, when I saw you guys play a couple weeks ago, I was surprised at how fucking good of a guitar player KJ is. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that? Is I had a buddy over the other day, and we we just got some new mixes back, um, and so the buddy came and he wanted to hear them, so I played them. And he goes, "Man, like he, I just thought you had KJ in the band because he's famous, but yeah, he, like he can play like very well, <laughs> yeah. yeah." And he no, he's unreal. Like he's yeah. he's one of the more talented guitar players I've ever played with. Yeah, like I mean, unlike you, I watched KJ's show. <laughs> and like he plays music in the show and he's yeah. like it's like I was like oh he's an actor who he can, can play music yeah he can play and then I saw you guys play and I was like holy fuck he's a great guitar player who no, can act he can shred yeah. he can completely shred and the exciting part about him is he's uh, you know just as good as he is mm-hmm. he's also into it as as yeah. much as he's good that's great you know what he, he like he wants to be a musician yeah which is very exciting because he's so good so he needs yeah. to be he needs to be a musician that's it um, and that's why we're, we're all so excited to have found each other because we we're all in different stages in our lives and careers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of the perfect osmosis as the four of us. Um, so yeah, it's great. So we went down to Seattle, recorded these songs, came back. Um, we had, we had some misunderstandings with, um, uh, the people in Seattle just in terms of management and all that stuff. And uh, KJ also is a busy. You know, got a lot going on. Yeah. He's got a lot going on, and so a part of us, uh, us needing a manager, somebody that knows all of his schedule, right, and can change his schedule if yeah. need be. We got a show next month in you know Tucson, and we need a Tuesday off. We kind of need KJ's management team to be on board with that, so it can happen. <laughs> yes. Um, so what we ended up doing, and it's an awesome partnership, is we're working with uh, Tim and Eric in Seattle, and we're also working with KJ's team in uh, in LA. Oh, great! Larry Shapiro from Luber Rockland Entertainment, or whatever the fuck they're God called. God bless Louie, Yeah, he's an yeah, he's a he's a great guy, and so it's it's awesome. Now we're now we're working with three amazing, uh, you know, managerial reps and entities, yeah. and. Um, and we're hoping to probably release in the new year. Okay. Uh, the boys, Alex and KJ, are going down to Seattle this weekend Fun. to work on some mixes and, 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 you know, get some shit down. But the album's pretty close to being done. It's, it's really close to being done. Um, and it's going to be... I, I've never worked on music that I'm more excited for people to hear. Dude, I'm excited for Which that. is exciting. I'm excited, yeah. yeah. So something I... Uh, watched a long time ago, and then again today that I want to talk about yeah. is the four. <laughs> <laughs> go, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched it about three hours ago again, and yep. it made me really happy. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was a fun all around. It was so. Fun. Um, I don't know fully the premise of that specific show, but uh, the four is foxes. What 2017, 2018? It kinda. was twenty. The twenty. Uh, it was I think it was 2018. 2018's version of like the new voice American Idol show. Yeah, yeah. And so instead of instead of finding contestants that can sing, they are they found the contestants who already could sing. Okay. 
And then 30 of us had a chance to sing in front of P. Diddy and Megan Trainer and DJ Khaled with some other asshole who ended up getting fired from the show because of the Me Too movement. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, doing weird shit with his dick. Yeah. Something like that. I, don't, I forget his name. Charlie Walker. Charlie Walker, I think is his name. Hopefully. Really yeah. short. He's like four, like five foot two kind oh, of Oh, wow. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a guy that like found Taylor Swift and a bunch of other artists and uh, worked on a, you know, in a big level on a radio, or not a radio, in a, a record company. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, my episode that I did actually was his last episode. The episode after that, he was let go because he, he did some <laughs> oh, shit, no. apparently. Um, but it was, a, yeah, so a couple years ago, I was, after the church thing, I, I just wanted to do something. And I had been reached out to by The Voice um, based on, like, an Instagram singing video I did. Oh, wow. And they said, hey, like, we'd love to hear you. Why don't you put together a little something and throw in an audition and maybe you can come down and audition in front of, like, on the show. So that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. So I went to my buddy's house. We recorded a few songs, just me singing, and I sent them in. And as I sent them in, this other, the Fox show, they must have similar databases or yeah, something. They're attached. They must degree, know yeah. each other. Cause I, as soon as I sent in my audition to the voice on NBC, the Fox show sent me a thing saying, Hey, we'd love to have you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it was cool. It was a unique experience. I went down to LA to do my initial audition in front of all the producers and stuff. And there yeah. was three, 400 people in a room. And then we all went in and sang a few songs and, um, it was cool. I was one of the, 10 people from that day to get picked and there was three sessions of those so there was 30-ish people that got picked total and then we went and had to sing in front of Megan Trainer and P. Diddy and DJ Khaled and impress them that is scary as fuck what was your kind of head going into that uh I was excited I here's the thing I they had a very limited song list that we could pick from uh all new music and I'm not a new music singer they didn't ask, no you so you suggest some songs if they don't like it they'll be like how about this one oh, okay and so I'd suggested a bunch of old songs that I sing yeah like Beatles tunes and Aerosmith oh, and fucking yeah. Bon Jovi and even I you know Bruno anything that I sing on a regular basis yeah like a solely kind of thing solely yeah. rock and roll vibes yeah and um, they, they're like they wanted me to sing Tennessee whiskey. Cause it kind of fit the between genres of like rock and roll and, and, and country and it was a big song at the time. So I sang it and it was good. Uh, and then my next song I was going to sing was the take me to church. I'll oh, the yeah. And that was the one they, some good old Hosier. Yeah. Hosier. Jose. Jose? I, have no I don't idea. know. I, I'd never heard the song until they suggested it. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta learn the song in a week. Yeah. Um, it was cool. Like, it gave me a little bit of perspective into reality TV because yeah. it's just, I knew it was all fake. Yeah. But there's a whole nother level of the fakeness when you see it from the actual oh, other yeah. side of the camera. Did <laughs> like, they give you any kind of direction going oh, in? Oh, all of it, it. All of it. Yeah. Okay. Because I was watching it. Yeah. And uh, some of your line, like some of the shit you say, I'm just like, okay, okay. No, because they, cause they, uh, get, you're they a get white, you. You're a white shark. They get you uh, in an interview and they're yeah, like, yeah, all right, yeah. let's, so tell me about this. And then you say this and they're like, yeah. okay, yeah, but make it more like this. 
and then they cut it, and you're saying all this shit that doesn't make any sense, and it's you're not a, you at all. You're a white all. shark in a small pond. The other uh. thing about it is you, <laughs> they never guarantee you a spot on the show. Right. So there, say there, there was uh, maybe seven, eight of us there for the week. I was there for two weeks, but there's seven or eight new people every week. Yeah. And so if you're there, you're just wanting to make them happy. Because you don't know if you're going to be on the show or not. And so they're saying, hey, go dance for me, monkey. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm going to dance because I want to be on the show. There was people that I was down there with, uh, three or four on my week, that never got on TV. Wow. And they had to do all the same shit I had to do. Yeah, they gave you a pretty big segment for not making it to the next round. I you know, had yeah. Like four or five minutes, yeah. It was, yeah. Well, And you know what's funny about that is that was completely done out of time. So when I aired, I aired in the middle of the show. Yeah. When I did the show... I did the. I was the last person going. Oh wow! There was half the audience was out of the building. Wow! Because they had uh, let. Like, hey, we're done for the night. Everybody can leave. Yeah. The the judges left, and then they're like, "Oh no no no, we got time for one more." Josh, go out there. And the judges got back back out there, and then I went out and did my song, and they're all they're all pissed off because it's course. two in the morning at this point. They want to go home. Yeah. P. Diddy, Diddy was kind of a dick to you. Diddy has first of all, he's a idiot. <laughs> <laughs> hot takes it was fun for him right yeah. for us we're like we this, this is, is our like chance to make shot. it yeah for him it's just a fun knockoff but he was also a producer of the show so like right. he's allowed to be that way so i he was he wasn't out of line by being who he was um but it was an interesting experience but yeah so when i did the whole song they you know half the audience was gone they all wanted to go home didn't go well and, you know, after 12 hours of sitting in a room and not singing, you're probably not the warmest. <laughs> but I, on, I look back at it and it was, all, it was a lot of fun. I, yeah. I, would, I would not do it again, but I would always do it for the first time again. So, Amazing. Yeah. There's a lot of more things I want to ask you, but I want to quickly check in. What time is your set, set tonight? Um, that was a big stutter. It's, 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 what time is your set tonight? I play, I think, at 11.45. Okay, we got some time. Because I think the venue I'm playing tonight rented out for a private event before. Okay, good. So. What was the kind of, so you walk away from that show, which could have been a big break for you? I thought it was going to be bigger than it was. Yeah. I expected to be like, oh, now I'm going to be like known on Instagram. Yeah. Meanwhile, I go up like 300 followers. <laughs> Which, I mean, to be fair, you know, 300 people, that's a lot of people. We put them in a room. It's a big room. Hey, that's not a bad room. No. Yeah, I would play that room tonight if I could. No. Yeah. That's the, th the, the weirdest thing about, like, social media to me is you might gain or lose 100 followers in a week. I know. And that is a stupid amount of people. It's a lot of people. Like, if you put those people in a living room, packs that shit out. How many actual friends do you have? Like, 13. six? Yeah. <laughs> 13's good. That's there, actually good. That was I. You yeah. know, I was trying to hit like a middle number where it wasn't too high, it wasn't too low. Yeah. <laughs> Realistically, yeah, probably seven. It's like close seven. friends. I'm yeah. talking friends. You like if you're crying and you're feeling bad, you're gonna call them. It's it's uh, Dave, my girlfriend, and our first four guests on this podcast. There you go. <laughs> so that's right in that ballpark. Yeah. Meanwhile, you can lose a hundred in a day that you're also sharing shit with. That's the thing. Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, fucking social media. I don't know how to make a brand. That's the thing. Is me like neither. Half I'm of so me, bad at it. Half of me wants to be like a cool guy Ugh. and try to t convince people I'm a cool guy. And then the other half of me is like, wants to be super seen. And like, 
I'm just a silly boy that wants to like dance in my underwear and know. you know be a I'm silly. I'm so guy. not. I don't ever think in social media thoughts. Like I don't think like in a moment. Oh, yeah. I should capture this. So here's the thing: is my my partner's an influencer. My, so my sister's fiance. Yeah. Also an influencer. Yeah. Um. That's how he makes a living. Yeah. And now she's doing it too. And like, yeah. KJ has 17 million followers. You know, he's always doing shit yeah. on it. Meanwhile, I, I, I never think to bring my phone out and do never. anything. No, I'm just, we're talking right now. Yeah. No part of me is like, oh, I should take a picture. No. That's why I, I, I haven't even thought about it. Theoretically, once. why I would pay <laughs> Dave, but I have no money. I know. We should get, <laughs> we should get somebody to take our pictures. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. Damn it. So, um, I want to talk to you more about, uh, kind of the leaving of faith. Cause that's what I like to talk about. Yeah. I'm down. Um, where are you sitting now? I don't know. I, we mentioned this earlier. I feel like I'm super jaded towards the church. Are we talking the church as a belief system or as like a group of people? Both. Okay. Because I feel like the group of people is great, but like, come on. I figured it out. Yeah. What are you still doing? Yeah. Like, and not that I know the answer. I just know that's not the answer. That's it. That's pretty much all I've come to in terms of my realizations of things. Yeah. And so I have a little bit of jadedness and disdain for the people of the church. Not actually, mm-hmm. but just it's underlying. And I have more of a disdain and jadedness towards the church as an institution and the faith itself in terms of, you know, what they project on people. Yeah. Because, you know, like we mentioned earlier, I'm I'm gay. And so living my whole life thinking it was literally an abomination right was I, I don't think i'm suffering now because of it i really don't but you know it's probably fucked me up i i, yeah. I have different thoughts about relationships i have different thoughts about things it's taken me 32 years to get to the point where i'm feeling comfortable holding my boyfriend's hand in public that's the fucking thing like yeah. i here's the thing i'm mostly straight at identifying yeah and i almost got expelled from bible college for ha- sleeping with the same girl for a year. Ugh. And like the, I don't know how to f- properly word this yet. I haven't, you know, spent a lot of time thinking about phrasing or released a public statement. Yeah. But uh, I don't know how to phrase this. I know what you mean. There's, there's like. It's not even a double standard. It's, no, there isn't, but there is a standard. There's a standard, yeah. So there's a standard It was always easy for me. So I was in I was in the other boat of being like, I got to hide my sexuality. Yeah. I've got a girlfriend. I don't really want to sleep with her. No. But I don't. I'm supposed to not. Yeah. So it works. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you just jerk off to your roommate and it's great. I, I My jerk off life was so crazy while I was leading so many people <laughs> in the worship. <laughs> Dude, when I was in high school, I was selling weed in the parking lot of church after I left oh, worship at bro, youth. Like, I used that to was lead, my life. I used to, this is going to, this might be a hot take. Yeah. I used to lead worship at a youth event yeah. every week. Yeah. And then I, not often, but a couple times during the sermon, I was bored. Yeah. And I'd go into the bathroom and whack it yeah. to some gay porn. Yeah. That was a regular occurrence in my life. 
Then I go back up afterwards and lead some people into Jesus' arms. You okay, know? see, for me, you know, gay porn was one out of every 20 <laughs> some days. <laughs> 19 out of 20, we're talking hetero porn. So. Yeah, well, that's good, too. <laughs> I, I get a, it. Uh, I found a stack of pornos in my church attic. <laughs> <laughs> I want to yes, hear the rest of the story, yes. so Dave's going to take this mic over. Take the mic. Go on. Um, no, I. We used to have like youth group up in this attic of a church. There used to be like a huge youth room or whatever. Yeah, youth group is grade eight to twelve, I guess. I was in youth group and then I let it until I was like twenty five. So. <laughs> the age is all different. I have no did, idea. Did you ever? <laughs> did you have that uh, part of your life where you're like too young to go to youth group, but that's all you wanted to do? You want to feel like bit. the cool guy going yeah, to the yeah, yeah. yeah. You see them going to the main room with their baggy pants and be like, <laughs> why am I not in there? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I did that 90s. a few times. That was great. Anyway, back to what I was saying. <laughs> I found porn in my church's attic and I took it home for like three weeks. And then I had the... the three weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the Christian guilt trip and then took it back and put it back in the attic. What kind of porn? And then the pastor was like, oh shit, I got my porn back. <laughs> <laughs> The pastor was a, a woman, I think. Well, she can have porn, too. Yeah, if you're saying that women don't she look at porn, porn, go too. fuck yourself. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just, I didn't, I found it in the attic of the church. What it kind was, of porn? Answer the question. No, like, like uh, Playboy magazines. Oh, so like Ooh, generic, like good old like, fashioned, like high end naked girls on velvet. Yeah. It was definitely like aged. For sure. Dude, I remember the first porn video I ever watched. I remember what taught me, what taught me to masturbate was a porn. Yeah. I remember seeing this guy get off and be like, wait, he just touched his dick and shit came out of it. Okay. Um, How do I do that? So we're going to get real deep into that, you know, early teen um, psychology. I'd love to. Not even that. I just want to talk about your penis. Uh, <laughs> Please do. It's uncut. You, okay. So here's the thing. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> was that it? Is Well, no. I'm going to get more into my life. Okay. Uh, okay. So also uncut. And I uncut's did not the know. Uncut's I'm, the way to go. I'm a big believer in uncut. Yeah. Um, uh, trust me. I'm too. Okay, yeah. see, we're different reasons, but same idea. Um, well, similar, some of the same. Some reason. of the same reasons. <laughs> uh, we're all. I think most of us here are anti-genital mutilation. My boyfriend's cut. I, it's great. He's got a great dick. I'm not saying dicks are bad if they're cut. No. Yeah. But no. he's got a nice one. He's got a great one. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I didn't know how foreskin worked until I hit puberty. What? Like I had like a <laughs> what? This is like a this is where I want to go in the podcast. I remember learning early. Before. I learned early. Like my dad like talked to, like I remember being like three or four. And my dad yeah. teaching me how to pull okay my foreskin see, back. I, people said this to me. They're like, pull your foreskin back, and yeah. I was like, dope. And it was just tight. Yeah, some guys well, are tighter than so others. I didn't know that it pulled back <laughs> all until the all the way until yeah. like thirteen or fourteen. So you got a big first. Dude, I was shook. Team the boners. First, the first time I like pulled it back, I was like, "What is this?" Did you? Was it? Like I thought my dick was broken. I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> was it? Was it wild and wacky under there? Uh, no, because it was like the first time, right? So it it was, doesn't like, matter it was, if it's the first time. No, see, it wasn't at all because it had never like I didn't have the ability to pull back, so like it was sealed. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Sealed, but there's still like you're still peeing and shit. I would say that now, if I, it's worse now if I had to shower for two days than it was that day. <laughs> I love this. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. 
Uh, I had a friend actually not that long ago who said the same thing. He said he didn't know until he was like 13. Yeah. It was a scary And then another day. one of my friends got circumcised as an adult recently. Is he, did he marry a Jewish girl? <laughs> no. He was, he was too tight apparently. Wait, I think I know this guy. You might. <laughs> <laughs> but he would say like it would hurt him when he got boners. Sorry, I'm going to just quickly hide my mic for a second. I don't think so. Oh, okay, never mind. We can cut that. But I want to know more about this. <laughs> the exact same situation is, is that he a, is this a church person? Yeah, from like the Surrey Langley area. Oh, I know him. I'm yeah. sure I know him. You do. Yeah. <laughs> and his poor penis. Yeah. My buddy isn't a church person. My buddy actually grew up a church person. His dad's oh. a pastor, but now he's kind of you know, you know doing seen his thing. the light. Yeah. Um But yeah, he got circumcised in Dolly. He said it was the most painful thing in the world. It sounds like it. Yeah. I don't understand the functionality of circumcision. I'm almost like I'm getting close to thirty, and I don't if understand the only how reason it works. the reason he did it was because it was too tight. Right. So, so he when he was getting boners, it would hurt his end of his skin. And he skin. waited that long. I, I mean, I guess, I guess yeah, yeah. He, he was, or was in it his, until he could afford it. Like, is it a cosmetic surgery? I don't know if it's cosmetic, but he was definitely in his thirties when he did it. Fuck yeah, that is wild. Wild. Just having a sore stuff. dick every time you get a boner. Dude, that would be shitty. Yeah. That would be so shitty. Couldn't imagine. No. Yeah. I'm just going to sit in that feeling for a minute. <laughs> hey, there's some, you know, you got you got some pain you got to deal with in sexual yeah. situations. <laughs> I don't think there is. <laughs> you got to get through it. Hey, no, I, I'm a newly in the gay world. And, yeah. like, I remember when I first came out and uh, a friend of mine I'd met at a restaurant. He works at a bartender in Gastown. Mm-hmm. And he's gay, and he heard that I'd recently, you know, come out and done the whole thing. And he's like, "Why don't I come out with my friends, and we'll like give you like a four one one on the gay world and culture, and we'll, you know, get it's like you- the most exclusive invite." Yeah, in it the was city. it yeah. was nice. I'm not gonna say it. it was nice. I went. It was a great time. We had a good time. They kept calling to the girls, which I didn't like. Mm. Hey, girl, I'm, I'm not a. Oh, see, here's the thing. I like that. I hate it. I oh, hate it. Oh, I love it. I don't if want someone, a girl. If someone I calls want a man. me girl, I'm just like, all right. Oh, hey, girl. The thing is, like, statistically, I would say Josh, this Josh, he's. Yeah, you're way more gay than I am. Oh, yeah, I'm significantly more <laughs> feminine. Yeah. You make me insecure in my masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But yeah, that's the only part of the night I didn't like when they call each other girls. It was like a little too much for me. But. I asked them, I'm like, hey, how, how long is it going to take until I can have sex with a guy receiving side of things right. yeah. and not be in tons of pain? And they looked at each other and they laughed. And then they looked back at me and they said, yeah, like three or four months. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Where, where do Do whatever you want. I don't give a shit. It's a good answer. I am not attracted to fem femininity in girls or guys. Obviously, I'm yeah. attracted to masculinity, and so sexually, I want to be with a masculine guy. So that's fine. A lot of the gay culture is tough because you'll get crucified if you say like, oh, on your grinder profile, if you say on your like information, yeah, no fems. That's bad. That's like saying the N-word in Detroit or something. Like, yeah. p- gays hate it because you've got to be inclusive to everybody, and yeah. it's fine. And it's fine. Yeah, but there's preferences. Like, yeah. 
I'm not, yeah, I have nothing against anything. Like I, I, when I, I had a guy who I was dating for a while come up and visit me and he's, he's way more gay culture orientated than I am. And we went to a drag show and it was fun and like entertaining, but I didn't really get it because I saw like 300 guys in a room who are attracted to guys, right? They're attracted to guys. <laughs> And then these girls, guys went up in drag and lip-synced Britney Spears. And then they went and tipped them money and like treated them like strippers. I'm like, why, why are we not just putting money into like jockstraps? <laughs> and like, yeah. why, why do we not have hot guys up there dancing and singing? Yeah. That being said, I have zero, zero negative anything to say. I just don't, it's just not something. It's not for you. It's just not part of my, I don't watch... Drag race, or yeah. like it's not a part of my culture. It, it I'm my own kind of gay. I don't want to fit into like okay, so the stereotypes that we have. Because I know that you're into wrestling. Does that have a part to play in everything? Yeah. Mm, I grew up loving wrestling. Loving wrestling. Yeah. Uh, it probably did, but also not. Like some of my early crushes were definitely wrestlers, but I it's not, not really part of my like. I don't watch it for any sexual gratification. <laughs> Nothing at all. Oh, no. Just punk does it for you? No. Yeah, no. CM Punk? No. <laughs> no. Um, but you are a sports guy, so it makes sense that... I'm a sports guy. I never, I've never watched sports my entire life for anything other than sports. Like, up until recently. <laughs> <laughs> up until very recently. Uh, KJ is big into rugby. Yeah. And so he's been watching the Rugby World Cup. And uh, he's a he's an all blacks guy. Like he's yeah, a yeah. yeah. So but watching it, there's a lot of good looking dudes in short shorts and tank tops with no padding of all kinds. No, they're, they're getting just running. A lot of times they get they get their fucking shorts ripped up and it's you know, you see a lot of ass or other parts and it's fantastic. Sounds lovely. Uh, and honestly, it's another one of those things where like just being more free in yourself because I'm free in myself now. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch a football game now and say to my buddy like, oh, dude, that guy's got a great ass. Yeah. And my buddy doesn't care about it, but he'll be like, ah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a nice place to watch sports in too. It's now. good. Yeah. I got, I've got a, I've got a great community of people and I'm very grateful for it. Um, a lot of really close friends. I got a great relationship right now. Um, even my like secondary group of friends are amazing and are people that I'd want to spend every day with. And, uh, it's been great because you know, it's, it's all about pursuing what you want to pursue. And then when you're pursuing what you want to pursue and you, you find yourself in that lane and world, the people that are surrounding you are probably people you're going to be friends with, right? Yeah. Because they're pursuing the same shit. That's the thing, right? Like as soon as I made like film my main thing, I met so many great people and so many great people that want to do what I want to do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Do you feel like you find, when you find the center of who you truly are, that, 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 that is what we're talking about right now? For me, it was. Yeah. And I don't know that I've found the center of who I am yet, but... I am more comfortable 
with who I am now than I've ever been. And I'm also living in that comfort instead of like hiding any of it. And so it's, you know, when I meet a friend now, it's, it's not like I have to, there's, there's, like we said before with the church crowd, it's, yeah. there's zero part of it. Are you hiding yourself or censoring yourself? No. And so if you're 100% yourself with somebody and you get along and get off and, and have a good time with them, that's going to be a meaningful relationship. Yeah. And yeah, it's been, it's funny because since I've stopped being a Christian, I feel like I haven't lied once. I love that. Haven't lied one time. And I've done some shit. Yeah. I've done drugs. I've been in orgies. I've, I've done some crazy shit. But guess what? All my friends know about it. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not going to my group of, you know, church going brethren in the morning to have a prayer breakfast. Yeah. And say, you yeah, know, it was a tough week. I had some sexual um, immorality. Instead of saying that, I'm going to my buddy. I'm like, yeah, dude, I did some drugs last night and I had an orgy. And he, my straight friend, is like, oh, right, that's great. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, I find so much more freedom in those relationships, obviously. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I struggle now. Like, I'm, I'm still quite tethered to that world. Yeah. Because, for one, my, my girlfriend still identifies as Christian. And for two, my brother's a pastor. There's a big part of me that still is kind of tethered to that world. Yeah. And at least once a week, I'm brought back into it. I'm brought back into it and trying to figure out what the line is of fully being myself and also not offending people. And it's a, right. it's a tough line to walk. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's very tough. <laughs> I I'm I don't find myself as much in the world of having to go back into it. Yeah. If I did, I'd probably have a very different perspective. And recently, actually, uh, last month or a month, two months ago, maybe, uh, I got booked for a gig for a um, uh, a nonprofit charity kind of fundraising ball. Yeah, which was great. A very good, uh, great um, reason we're doing it. It was for uh, low income housing kids who have like an um, after school programs and right. food and yeah. and they they help them get them into colleges and you know get them through high school it's very very good good reason to have a non for profit thing happening into it so i went to play cuz it was a gig for me um but i saw all of the church it was an all christian event <laughs> yeah so i walk in not knowing what i'm getting something into and thinking like oh, i'll just play a few tunes and i'll get out of there at midnight and it'll be fine <laughs> I walk in and it's everybody from the last three churches I've been to. Oh no! Bunch of village people, bunch of relay people, bunch of CLA people, bunch of. Uh, uh, I did a few things for some organizations that help people get through recovery, and yeah. uh, all of those people were all at this party, and none of them had seen me since I've come out. None of them seen me since I've divorced. None of them seen me since I've left the church. Yeah, and so it was an interesting conversation with a lot of them. And I, I wanted to get it off my stress so badly. Like every time somebody would ask me, oh, how's the wife doing? I'm like, well, we're separated and it's because I'm gay. Yeah. And all I wanted to do was say like, and I'm not a Christian. Yeah. But I held myself back so many times, even though I wanted to. For some reason I censored myself because I'm like, oh, I'm, I don't want to offend anybody. Like I'm not, yep. I don't want to have this conversation. So I could imagine it being very different in the world if you're still in it. It probably took me two years mm-hmm. to, to comfortably, like, not even Facebook identify as Christian. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just to be like, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, like that's not that's not me anymore. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it was tough. I, a couple weeks ago, I went for dinner at um, a house who, uh, a nice girl I met at Village, she, she worked with me, and I ran into her parents um, downtown as I was loading into Portside, <laughs> and they said, hey, we'd love to have you for dinner, and I was like, oh, that sounds great, and they said, how about this date? And I'm like, all right. You're well, putting a date on it, we gotta do it now. Let's do it. Yeah. So we did it, and it was great, and I went into the, to the dinner thinking, like, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them that I'm not a Christian. I'm going to tell them that I'm gay. Yeah. I'm going to tell them that I don't believe what they believe. And then I went and sat with them for dinner and we prayed for dinner and it was good. A very wholesome conversation yep. and nothing in me wanted. I'm like, there's no, there's no time for me to make this about me. No, there's no time for me to sit here and be like, Oh, by the way, I don't believe what you believe. <laughs> oh, and I'm gay. So fuck yeah. you guys. If you don't believe that either. Yeah. Like there was just, just like no, anti-evangelizing. There was no yeah. time for it. And even in the moment, like we talked, we, we talked about my time at the church a little bit and I piped up in that moment and I said, yeah, you know what? I, I'm really happy. I'm, I'm out of there. I, I didn't, I don't think I'd be doing well if I was still there. Yeah. And then the dad who, you know, the barbecuing that night, <laughs> he said to me, he's like, yeah, you know what? But you made a difference in people's lives while you were there. And I looked at myself, I'm like, oh, God damn, I'm such an asshole. Like, I have such a jaded relationship with the church. Yeah. But I can't look back at it as a negative, all-encompassing. No. And just because I want to steer people away from being held under the church's rule and the church's governance and... I want gay people to be gay and women to be women and everything yeah. to happen. You know, I don't regret anything I've done in terms of that because there's a lot of good shit too. Yeah. But if I had a kid, I don't think I'd raise him. Absolutely Or not. her as a, no. as a Christian. I can't imagine going kind of back to that now. Yeah, it seems so foreign. And a lot of my friends who have families now are in faith because they have kids. Yep. And they think it's the best thing for them, which I'm not saying it's not, but for me, you know. You know what? I'm going to take a hard stand and say it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like your guest too on that. That's great. Oh, man. Dude, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. I feel like we, yeah. we just barely broke this. The I know. I, we've been talking for almost two hours now, and I feel like it's uh, <laughs> yeah. we've barely scratched the surface. Barely. Well, we're definitely yeah. going to have you back on, hopefully with the rest of the legend guys. I'd love um, to do that. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Cool, man. Yeah. Thanks for talking. Thanks for having me. Anything you want to plug? Legend. We got a gig uh, November 21st in LA. Okay. At, let me just find out what theater that is, because I should probably talk about it. Yeah. Um, it is the Shrine Auditorium, built in 1926 in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. It's the perfect balance of old school architecture and design with modern technology and functionality. Uh, <laughs> we're playing there November 21st. We're opening for a, a, a great artist called Two Feet. Okay. Um, That's exciting. Yeah. So I'm hoping a lot of people come out to that. Uh, I think November 16th, we're going to be playing a gig in Vancouver. Um, location is not for sure yet. Cool. In we have a location. We just haven't announced it yet. Because uh, I don't know the address or where it is. Fair, um, but it's like a bike shop. They're gonna, it's gonna feel like a thousand people, and we're gonna do that on the sixteenth. So That's if you're exciting. in Vancouver and you want to come see us before then, uh, our Instagram for sure will let you know what that is. And I think our Instagram is Legend Official Band. All right, so check it out. Cool. Yeah, go follow that. All right, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Bye. 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 Bye.